When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Just like that, the second hour is here. Outkick 360 rolls on. Glad you're with us this afternoon, Wednesday edition. Coming up in 20 minutes, Bobby Carpenter will join the show. Uh, plus Shannon Terry and Grant Ferking of On3 to discuss name, image, likeness, what Shannon believes will be federal legislation, and we'll dive into Texas A&M versus the NCAA. Uh, Miami uh, taking the penalty. A&M saying we're doing nothing wrong. And... Uh, separate issues, but down the same path. Uh, Shannon will dissect that for us as well. Um, free agency is officially underway. The new league year, Chad. The new year in the NFL, as of right now. It's like the our new year, the Chinese new year, yeah. and then the NFL new year. Those are the three new years that we observe. The, that's right. And the uh, Adam Thielen is reportedly, he hasn't signed with the Panthers yet, but the thought is he will be doing that soon. And Taven Bryan, uh, most uh, recently in Jacksonville, he's now with Cleveland. Chad, I've liked uh, several moves so far that can now be official by each individual team, even though the NFL has made them official by tweeting them and citing their reporters. And I went through this thinking what a team could have done versus what they did. And that's why the Houston Texans start things off for me. I, I think the, the signing at quarterback and what they've done by bringing in Case Keenum is very smart, and here's why. They didn't sign Jimmy Garoppolo. They were the other team mentioned in the Jimmy Garoppolo sweepstakes, and they didn't pay Garoppolo to come in and do what we all know, which is going to be take a seat next to a rookie quarterback at some point next season. Houston did this the right way, believe it or not. Case Keenum's a solid backup. That's where he started his career in Houston. And now just take the quarterback at two. I was surprised to see Houston uh, at, in the mix for Garoppolo for as long as they were. Uh, McLean kept telling us it's not going to happen. They're not going to sign a big-name big veteran. But until the bitter end, as Monday began, it was Houston and Vegas for Jimmy G. Um, it's a nice signing by Vegas, but Houston did the right thing. Cam, uh, Cam Sutton to the Lions. Goes from Pittsburgh to Detroit. This is a great fit. He's going to fit the mentality of that team, of that locker room, of their head coach perfectly. I think it, it, the, the Detroit defense just got a ton better based on that one addition. And they've made some other uh, nice moves and will load up again defensively in the draft. But Cam Sutton, I think, is a very underrated signing um, Pittsburgh replaced him with Patrick Peterson. But Cam Sutton, with the, his, his footwork and the level of execution with... You know, he's not always the most athletic player uh, when you compare him to other defensive backs. But Chad, he is... When it comes down to just the, the, the mannerisms of which he plays, players rave about him because he's just smooth. 
with uh, everything that he does on the field. He's also really intelligent. He's a ball hawk. He knows, he knows where the football is going and does a good job getting to it. And dare I say the Lions have an identity now under Dan no, Campbell? No doubt. And that they have guys that uh, we talk about this with Pittsburgh and Baltimore a lot, that when they sign a guy or draft them, you start to think that's a Lions-type player. Crazy to say that for the Lions franchise, but I do believe under Dan Campbell – they have a type, and Cam Sutton is that type. And it's a, a fits the type. It's it's perfect for what they were asking for and how they play defense. Also, uh, Denver. I, I mentioned this yesterday uh, a bit, but I I love what they've done on the offensive line. They they've paid uh, their offensive line to drastically improve. They get Mike McGlinchey. Uh, they add in Ben Powers, and I'm adding them to my list at number three, the Denver Broncos. Uh, phenomenal job addressing what was a huge need. The interior offensive line was awful. Right tackle has been a huge problem for them. And they bring in McGlinchey and Powers who, they just play games. They don't miss starts. And they execute. They play very well, very consistent. And Denver's offensive line for Russell Wilson and for Sean Payton's offense will be a lot better just based on how they've addressed it early in free agency. Derek Carr to the Saints makes my list at number two, Chad. Because while we wait on Aaron Rodgers and the trade between Green Bay and New York, the Saints went right after Derek Carr. They were given permission to chat with him. Where a trade didn't happen, but they were the first to knock on the door. And while Carr made the rounds and he went and met with the Jets, and apparently they, you know, it was out there that uh, the Jets feel like they could win a Super Bowl with, with Derek Carr. Onward to Indianapolis, where Carr made the rounds and spoke with other teams. But he came back to the organization that I think makes the most sense for him. Plenty of weapons around him. And he has a chance at a fresh start within an offense that should be very good for his overall skill set. He can let it rip. He can also dink and dunk. That's been the, 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 how we would describe him for the majority of his career. But the deep passing yards picked up for him over the last season and a half. And now it has a chance to pick up with a young wide receiving core. Michael Thomas is coming back. And you have Alvin Kamara, as we may be suspended, but we have Alvin, Alvin Kamara in the offense. And beyond that, other weapons in a solid offensive line. I like what New Orleans did. They addressed the quarterback position, and they're onward. They've moved, they're moving forward with their veteran QB while New York continues to wait. This is the second most significant quarterback development so far outside of Aaron Rodgers saying he wants to get traded to the Jets. Lamar Jackson will, will be the other one when yeah. something moves there with the Ravens or someone else. But I, I put Derek Carr ahead of Jimmy Garoppolo yes. uh, with the Raiders in terms of significance because – a, I think Carr's a better player, and B, I just think it's going to be a better fit and a better team and situation in that division with the Saints as opposed to anything Jimmy G can do with yeah. what's left with the Raiders. Chad, number one for me, Javon Hargrave. Defensive tackle, interior pass rusher, 11 sacks last season for the Philadelphia Eagles. And he goes to San Francisco in a very similar defensive front. He's going to be asked to do exactly the same thing. And he's now paired with Nick Bosa. Buckle up. Because I think the addition of Hart... And, and by the way, it's a very team-friendly contract where the number looks steep. 80 million, 40 million guaranteed. 
but there's little risk down the road for what the 49ers are going to pay up front with him. I, I love his story. I love how his trajectory continues to rise. And the interior defensive linemen across the league also love this. Guys like Jeff Simmons and others are going to get paid based on Hargrave's payday that he gets and he gets to sign today. It's brilliant by San Fran. And again, Bosa is going to be even better because on the interior, you have a huge force. Uh, this is the deal that DeForest Buckner wanted but didn't get. And that's why he was traded to Indianapolis a couple of years ago. Now we see Hargrave get it. I love it. I think it's the best signing so far. So Hutton's top NFL free agent so far. Number five, Case Keenum with the Texans. Four, Cam Sutton to the Lions. Three, Ben Powers and Mike McGlinchey on the offensive line to the Broncos. Two, Derek Carr to the Saints. One, Javon Hargrave to the 49ers. Plenty more to come. We can update this list. Yeah, oh yeah. As more free agency signings happen throughout the offseason. You like what I'm saying about the throughout Texans? Throughout the new year of the NFL. You, know, you understand where I'm going with the Texans, though. I yeah. I think Case Keenum is some great uh, addition. It's, I just like their line of thinking. It's significant because it shows they're going to draft quarterback. Yeah, I, I think, but I still think Vegas could do it, too. But they're paying the veteran price to Garoppolo when Houston chose not to. And that's they're the way to go, do it. The, what, it, what it signifies is they're going to go all in on their rookie quarterback. As That's that what should you should do case. with the yeah. number two overall pick. No doubt. Uh, Indianapolis is going all in with their kicker. Uh, they signed uh, Matt Gay to a four-year, $22.5 million contract. The biggest deal for a kicker in free agency. And the most money over three years for a kicker on a deal negotiated uh, by his agency. And Chad, this is, I mean... We've, we've reached a point now where the salary cap floor, every position's getting a bump up. You know, the new guy to sign is generally always the newest, highest paid position. But um, here's Indy. Everyone's looking out to see what they do at QB and the saga that was their coaching search. And they're making headlines about paying their free agent kicker. Just not the headline I'd want to make. Well, yeah. Of all the headlines, I, I, I would not want to be the NFL franchise that pays the most for a kicker in history. Unless Say, guys, we're going to show how, how we mean business this year. Let's, let's break the bank on kicker. That's the position we're going all in on. So uh, Warren Just Sharp. me, though. I mean, he, he might be great. He might win some games for them. Adam Vinatieri certainly won games for both uh, New England and Indianapolis. So and, maybe this is another situation like that. And they got rid of Rodrigo Blankenship. After, like, yeah, after week one last year, because it was so bad. Uh, the Colts, this is through Warren Sharp, the Colts have used $151 million of, of their cap on quarterbacks since 2017. It's the third most money spent via the cap space it took up uh, in, in the NFL. Their record over that same time span, 45-52-1. So a losing record. Uh, winning 46% of their games, and the names on here are just jarring. You know, they released Matt Ryan yesterday officially, but Sam Ellinger, Nick Foles also started who, last who season. Who can forget former Wisconsin Badger Scott Tolzien Scott back Tolzien in 2017? Started a game against the Titans in 2017. Uh, Phillip Rivers is in here. Of course, Carson Wentz, the contract they acquired. And uh, Jacoby Brissett and Brian Hoyer the year after. Andrew Luck said sayonara. What do you think Andrew Luck's up to? He's probably hosting a book club podcast somewhere. People have asked if that book club podcast still exists. I, I checked it Does at it? one point. It, there's not been an episode in like a year and a half. 
So maybe he's just finishing a really good book. It just took him a long time to finish it. <laughs> and Or he's, he's working on uh, the entire works of some author, and then he'll relaunch the Andrew Luck Book Club podcast. Or maybe he's interviewed them all. There's nothing left to do. He's no. read them all. I love how Andrew Luck geeks out over the authors or people oh. he has on his podcast. So great. It's so Andrew Luck, and it's perfect. Michael Irvin has maintained his innocence uh, from moment number one when the allegations came out involving uh, assault at the, the hotel, the Marriott property in Arizona. Uh, his legal team uh, held some press conferences. Irvin was there. And Chad, they released the long-awaited surveillance video. And, of course, the female employee of the hotel was claiming that you know, he, she was assaulted by Irvin. And he said it didn't happen. We had a five-minute conversation, and that was it. A judge had to step in and force the release of the video because the hotel property wasn't giving that up, the surveillance video. And Michael Irvin says that he believes this video clears his name, and we can take a look at it. But the surveillance video, Chad, is very standard from what I've seen and what I've viewed in this. Yeah, I don't see any physical issue no, with what took place. And uh, the, the video, he stands... You know, a body body size in between apart from the woman. They seem to be calmly talking the whole time. They shake hands at the end of it. He taps her on the shoulder before walking away. It also ends with another worker at the hotel taking a picture with Michael yeah. Irvin. I don't think you're probably doing that or asking if there's some contentious situation going on between Michael Irvin and someone else. Um, usually we go to the video and find that it's not great things that took place. This is one that, to me, exonerates Michael Irvin. From what I see in this video, I don't know if there's something else that went on or happened, but I, I, I have no clue how someone could make an assault complaint yeah. based on the video that we see in front of us. And, and the interaction happens for roughly two minutes or so. And he said, look, uh, uh, the old saying, the eye in the sky don't lie, and they were demanding this. They finally got it and held their own presser and, and showed the media. Um he refiled a lawsuit in the state of Arizona, and it names four hotel employees in addition to Marriott, and the case continues. But Urban's attorney wants to get his client back on the air, and Chad, I'm, I'm thinking he's, he needs to be back on immediately based on this. Yeah, I'm thinking that NFL Network is probably thinking we made the wrong call sending him home based on this. If, if he was saying he was innocent the whole time, you know, they may have should have backed their guy a little bit more and believed him in this and not just taken an allegation as the full truth and not sent him away from the coverage. But absolutely now that this video is out there and Michael Irvin may have some money and headed his way. Why not turn that? What took so long on this video? Where that you wouldn't I think it's pretty clear why the hotel didn't want to hand it over. But, I, I mean, if they it's have security to. footage based on the, the lawsuit that's been filed, I, I mean, I'm, I, I just don't get it while you, you hold it back three extra days after the judge said to release it. Crazy. Well, they held it back because they know now they're probably going to be liable for some money in a settlement yeah, at least in this. Still, man, it's just, man, if something goes down, don't you go to the security camera and see it and you just hold it back if it's not true? I think if I mean, something again, goes like, down and, and it's the, the woman making an allegation that if you're her employer, you go to the security footage and you say, what are we missing here? 
Yeah. What are you what are you alleging and what what happened exactly and just showing the footage to her and saying what what what's being said? There's and no he's touch. Not on air. There's no That's my point though. Like from Marriott's stance, I don't understand why they held it as long as they did. Coming up, Bobby Carpenter will join us. We'll hit the free agency headlines across the NFL, get his take on some of the big trades and more. And we'll hit some headlines later in uh, today about college hoops. Chad, Brandon Miller's back in the headlines with Alabama, and he's going to have personal security throughout the tournament. Details on that and more. Bobby Carpenter next on Outkick 360. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Coming to you live from 6th and Peabody with Yeehaw Beer and Old Smoky Moonshine. Hutton and Withrow with you. Joined by Bobby Carpenter. Sirius XM, college football analyst, Channel 84, and much more. He's our analyst as well. Bobby, good to see you, man. Hey, good to see you guys. How's everything going on this lovely Wednesday? Great. Uh, new league year. Happy New Year. Uh, league league year underway in the NFL. Uh, what was the most nerve-wracking negotiation of, of your time in the league? Uh, gosh, I mean, probably either my rookie deal, just because you don't know anything about anything at that point. Yeah. Um. You're coming in, and it's like you want to practice with your team, and you've never been in a professional situation before where, you know, and that was back before it was all slotted. So, like, people are jockeying for this language, that language, these dollars, how they're going to be allocated. And it was a little bit different than the slotting now. And, you know, Bill Parcells is my coach. He's no-nonsense guy. And you know, I'm, like, worried I'm out there. We went to training camp at Oxnard, so I'm on site. I'm there, and it's like, talking to my agent like do i go into these meetings yes or no like what do i do and thankfully there's a couple other guys jason Witten, brady james who were with my agent like listen man and i'm like worried about what people are going to think i don't want to be a first round draft pick that's like holding out about you know god knows what but they don't start these these negotiations till like two days before mm. you know it's like i'm like can't we just like get this done in like mid-july and call it a day wrap it up it'll all be good no, we're going to wait till like July 27th and start it right before camp. And so that was kind of uh, nerve wracking. And then, you know, a little bit too, I was a free agent coming into the, the COVID year. And that was, that was weird and unique because, or not the COVID year, the, uh, the lockout year where, you know, they, they shut down the league year. So they had the draft before free agency and you know, then they got something done right before the start of the season. So there was people scrambling to get signed and what's that going to look like? And then ultimately, you know, for some reason, we had to wait a day to practice if you were a free agent versus a player on the team already. And so there was a little bit of stress there just because, you know, they were trying to get like a third of the league signed in basically, you know, a day or two. And I was going to go back to Detroit. I, I was I felt fairly strongly about that. But you know, I didn't necessarily have the normal free agent experience that that you would have had. And so I felt like I was kind of cheated, but there was a little bit of stress and anxiety there just of not knowing, like, hey, what else is out there? And 
do you want to pursue something else? And if that doesn't work out, would there still be a place for you here? And, you know, it was just all accelerated there and you had the draft beforehand. So it was a much, much different paradigm than what we're living in now. And now, Bobby, imagine doing all that on your own without representation and without an agent. And that's what Lamar Jackson is doing right now. What do you think of that decision to represent himself and not have an agent? Well, I don't think it's the worst thing in the world, especially coming out as a as a draft pick now, just because it's all slotted. And you know, if you know you're going to go, you know, high in the first forty picks, then okay, it doesn't necessarily matter a ton. Uh, but quarterbacks a different beast because the contracts are so big, and trying to find comps and comparisons, and those guys, you know, they can get franchise tagged, and the dollar amounts mean a lot. And exclusive versus not exclusive, and then the reality is, it's really hard to gauge your self-worth when you don't have an agent because at the combine in different places that's when they go and they have these conversations and they talk and they try to figure out hey you know this is what this team thinks of you or this team really likes you you know there, there's a possibility here or there and you can kind of gauge what people would pay and so you know agents they're not technically supposed to do that but the reality is is that they do and you know whether it's under the guys that we're talking to someone else or we're over here talking to this guy you just kind of throw out some hypotheticals or the team's like, Hey, we might be interested in this guy. Should he become available? I mean, uh, just keep that in the back of your mind. And so all that stuff happens. And without an agent, it's really tough to be plugged in on what your market value is. And then also not to take things personally. That's also another big piece of it where, you know, the Ravens, the way they've been handling this, you could argue organizationally is pretty good, but as a player, it probably doesn't feel all that great. It's not a, you know, an ideal situation for Lamar to be in. And, and then also the last piece for him is he's a very unique quarterback with his skill set. And so you have to take into account, you know, his running ability and building an offense around him and then also the injury concerns. So there's a lot of moving parts for him as opposed to a guy that's just, you know, an elite corner on the outside. And you're like, hey, this is what other corners make who have been this good. You think I'm about here and there. This is what I want my guaranteed money. These are off the other contracts and how they look. And you can kind of slot it in, whereas this, it's it's a very very it's a very very difficult situation. I mean, it's almost most contracts for most guys. I mean, it's most it's a, a lot of it's like a coloring book. You know, the Asian gets three percent. They don't have to do a whole lot with Lamar Jackson and especially you know, quarterbacks, but especially him. I mean, that thing is like painting the six sixteen chapel. You know, from scratch. Like, there's no tracings. There's no etchings up there. You got to get on the scaffold, climb it, and envision it, and get it done. So Ezekiel Elliott's going to be looking for a new contract. He's released by the Cowboys. Jerry Jones puts out a very emotional statement about Ezekiel Elliott. I mean, he talks about him like he, he's uh, Emmett Smith in this uh, in this statement about how much he means to the Cowboys family. Clearly, Jerry Jones, a big fan of Ezekiel Elliott and what he meant to the Cowboys team. What do you think of him moving forward now in this decision by the Cowboys to part ways? I think everybody knew that there was going to be a contract adjustment that was going to come. I thought that they'd be able to get something worked out in Dallas. I know Zeke loves being there. I knew Jerry loves him. I mean, I think he sees a lot of himself in Zeke. Zeke's a tough guy. He's done a lot for the team over the years. He's played hurt. He's been great in the community. He's been a leader in that locker room. He's a tough guy. And so there's a lot of reasons to want him in your locker room and want him on your team just at finding that right price. And I don't know if they just found they're at an impasse, couldn't get it done. So I think Zeke wanted to be there and probably would have taken a little less. Um, I don't know if the door is fully closed on Zeke returning, 
Uh, but, I mean, he has value for a team to come in. And, yeah, he's not going to be your featured guy you're giving the ball 400 times to. But there's a lot of value that he can come in and bring to a team, especially a team that's a contender. And if you need a, a guy that can definitely always convert in short yardage, that's him. He's great in the blocking game. And he can still go out and carry the ball 10 to 12, you know, maybe 15 times and have a couple receptions if you need him to. I just don't think he can probably do that for 17 games and be as effective as he was, you know, four or five years ago. How about Aaron Rodgers with McAfee earlier? And, uh, you know, he, he claims he's the he's the best player in Titletown history and then proceeds to tell Green Bay to hurry it up. I want to be a New York Jet. Um, and, and also, like, Green Bay can wait until September 1st because that's that's the drop-dead date that they have to pay him the 58 or lock that in as the roster bonus. So this could go on for a while. It could. Um, and the reality is, too, is Aaron can say, I don't want to play for the Jets. They could pull out on the trade, and then Green Bay has to cut him and eat all that money. <laughs> so, like, I mean, Aaron does hold a lot of cards here. It's not like Green Bay can just say, oh, we'll drag this out. We're going to make it as difficult for you as possible. I, I don't even know if it's feasible for Green Bay to cut Aaron Rodgers this year and still feel like a functioning NFL team just based upon the, how massive the cap hit would be for him if they cut him as opposed to trade him because they would get some relief in that. So there, there's a lot of things working there. I think Aaron is probably the best player. I, I'm going to tell you that I played against Brett. Now he was older, but Aaron's the best quarterback, most versatile. The guy can do just about anything that I've ever played against. You know, And, and Tom's a great player, and Tom's won a lot of titles. Tom's had, I think, more help than Aaron. If you look at his physical attributes, his ability to get through reads and progressions, how quick his release is, how accurate he is, and he's doing it in a climate that's not really designed to throw the football. I mean, I give the guy a ton of credit for what he's been able to do over the years. And I think he's had probably subpar coaching for the majority of his career and probably a good team around him. But there's been a lot of times where he hasn't had the requisite weapons. I think the net, I don't know how many years he has left, but I would say for at least two and maybe a third for the New York Jets, it's going to be a pretty darn good situation. I think Aaron's going to play really, really well. I love this story. I love how he controlled his own narrative throughout and announced what he was going to do on, on Pat McAfee's show. I respect all that. Aaron Rodgers also seems like a very self-centered, selfish person to me, but I, I don't know him you know, personally, so I, I don't know that. I know his offensive linemen all love him. Seems like a lot of teammates really like him, and that, that speaks highly of him. Bobby, I guess my question is, have most great quarterbacks you've been around been selfish? but also been able to be a good teammate? Is there a little blend of both with some of the best guys at that position? Could you adequately describe a lot of them as selfish? I don't know if I'd say selfish. I, mean, I played with some pretty good ones from Tony Romo to Matt Stafford to Tom Brady. I mean, those guys are all pretty darn good players, and they're all very unique. It comes with your personality. You know, Tony and Matt, I, Matthew, I think were pretty similar with they were very outgoing and you know, wanted to be always involved with stuff on the team. And I, I got to Tom later in his career where, you know, it's tough when you're close to 40 years old and most of your locker room's 22, 23 to really be you know, actively engaged. And, you know, Tom tried to reach out. He was always available and not standoffish in any way. And I don't think Aaron is either. Here's the thing. I always tell people this when they, they talk about different people and their personalities. Don't confuse someone who's, like, more introverted and quiet with someone who's like rude and self-centered. And, uh, you know, I've, I've got to know Aaron probably not as well as anybody that played with him, 
Uh, you know, he's, he's good friends with a, a good friend of mine, AJ Hawk. I mean, they're teammates. He has him on McAfee every week. You know, and Aaron would come in for his birthday. He was at his bachelor party. Like, I, I was at a point where we played him a lot. I would see him maybe once or twice a year. And I, I've always really liked Aaron. I find him very witty. I find him charming. I don't necessarily think he enjoys a lot of attention. And everybody talks about how he wants to make this about himself. I really think he's a very introspective and kind of unique person to play football, where they're used to guys that are all about, you know, me and want this and that. Like, Aaron's a unique dude. Like, he did the, the darkness thing. Like, I, mean, I think that's something he would be doing whether or not he was playing football anyway. And so it's it's a very just kind of different way that he goes about it. And I always tell people, if you want to know how what a guy's all about, talk to his teammates. They will tell you. And if they're less than glowing in their review of him and he's a really good player, that probably means the dude's not very a very good guy and they're just going to try to pull some punches. But guys have always been very positive about Aaron. They've talked about him in very high regard, how you know he's a generous guy, you know, he wants to be part of the team, he does a lot of stuff, like all these different things. I just think that he doesn't necessarily enjoy all of the media attention. He wants to do it his way. His tweet to his text to Adam Schefter was amazing. Like, I'm not gonna feed you anything. I'm gonna go on here and talk about it my way. Like, he's a guy that didn't, you know, didn't want to get vaccinated. He's the quarterback and immunized and versus vaccinated and all this stuff. Like, he's just a different guy. And people have a hard time understanding that because most football players you can put into a box and say, this is kind of what they are as a person. And then you get a couple guys who look at things a little bit differently and kind of view the world from a different lens. And that's okay if you're in another profession and nobody thinks anything of it. But when you're a football player or a professional athlete, whatever it is, like there's a mold that you're supposed to fit. And Aaron just doesn't really fit that mold. And I think that that bothers a lot of people and people who really don't know him start like throwing out like selfish and, you know, he's arrogant and just loves the attention. I mean, honestly, I think when Aaron's done playing, I don't think you'll hear from Aaron Rodgers really at all. I think he will kind of vanish into the abyss. I don't see him getting into the media. I think he'll probably hang out with some of his teammates, but he's not going to be somebody that you see popping up and doing different things because he loves the limelight. Because maybe he, maybe that's it underneath it all, but that's not the guy that I've kind of come to know over the last 15 years. Will he start a book club podcast like Andrew Luck when he's done playing? That may be the next step for Aaron Rodgers. Honestly, that's I'm glad you brought that up there's probably a very similar line between him and Andrew Luck. And, you know, Andrew Luck is, you know, a Stanford guy. He's a Cal guy, like a California Bay Area dude. Like it's, and Aaron mm-hmm. grew up there. I mean, his, his path was very unique to even get to the NFL. And so, yeah, it wouldn't be surprising if he's talking about reading books and drinking the kombucha tea or whatever the heck he's doing, <laughs> or trying all this East Asian medicine. I mean, he might be, like Bruce Wayne with Christian Bale in the in the Dark Knight, the first one where he's over there doing some craziness, trying to join the League of Shadows. Like, I mean, that, I could see that being like Aaron Rodgers' path. <laughs> Batman point. Begins, great movie. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> uh, another guy who's quiet is Jordan Love. We haven't heard from him much at all uh, since he was drafted to the Green Bay Packers. It's his show now, and uh, for all of the comparisons that Rodgers has lived up to 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 Brett Favre, even whenever this trade goes down, he will be compared to Brett Favre in the same manner for leaving Green Bay. Now Jordan Love has to pick up where Rodgers left off, and that's a high bar to meet. What do, you, what do you make of Love and this entire saga since 2020 where he's been Rodgers' backup? Well, I mean, if you remember correctly, like 
we really didn't hear much from Aaron when that's, Brett was the quarterback right. either. You know, I think that's by design, you know, personality wise, like nobody wants the loudmouth backup quarterback. Those guys understand it. They get it. it. And I think Aaron probably legitimately has a good relationship uh, with Jordan Love. He was very complimentary of him. You know, when you talk about his skill set and, and he's always said he didn't choose to be drafted here. Like I'm not angry with him at all. Um, but you know, obviously there's going to be the weight of the world on his shoulders. It's, it's hard to get two quarterbacks in a row, right. In the NFL. If Green Bay is able to get three right, I yeah. mean, they, they've got they they've got the holy water, they've got the grail. I mean, a horseshoe up their rear, whatever it is. Because <laughs> you look at teams trying to transition off one, they can't do that. They've had two Hall of Famers in a row, and if they even if Jordan Love even makes a couple of Pro Bowls, for heaven's sake, you're talking about something that hadn't been seen since Montana to Young to Jeff Garcia, who. We like crap on Jeff Garcia, but Jeff Garcia is a damn good quarterback who made multiple Pro Bowls with different teams. So like that that's the type of transition that you'd be talking about that would give you potentially close to three decades of relevance in the NFL, which that's almost unheard of without any type of setback. Yeah, you're right. It's a great point. Uh, Bobby Carpenter with us. Switching gear, look at the draft and com- compare the quarterbacks from what we've seen uh, in-, in college. Is C.J. Stroud... You're number one uh, in this draft. Do you lean Bryce Young? And where do you slot the height for Richardson versus what you've seen with your own eyes? Um, here's the thing. I, I have Bry- I have Bryce Love, and I'm going to put you know uh, CJ Stroud. Like those two guys up there are right next to it. And a little bit Bryce of Young, yeah. yeah. Bryce Young. I mean, yeah. Do you guys do you like? You know, sherbet, or do you like chocolate ice cream? I mean, whatever. Like, it, it comes down to a preference. Like, are you okay with a guy who's a little bit smaller, who's really accurate, who's been a winner, and maybe more athletic, or do you want more of a pure pocket passer that throws a really pretty ball, um, who maybe doesn't run quite as well as the other guy, but is bigger in frame? And that's all like individual risk tolerance on how you like to play it. And so there's that. Then I think there's a pretty significant drop okay. between you know Anthony Richardson. And, uh, oh, goodness, Levis. Kentucky. Will, Will Levis. Like Both of those guys check all the physical boxes, man. They're big. They're pretty-looking dudes. They're, they're athletic. They can throw the ball really hard. They can throw it really far. But then you watch him on your game film, and you're like, gosh, this guy that I built on Madden just doesn't really seem to be putting <laughs> it up like consistently like we want to. Yeah, he'll make a great play. But then over here, it's like, well, what is he doing? Like, why, why are we making that decision? And so the decision-making process and the accuracy piece and the anticipation is something that's really hard to learn. Really, the only two guys I've seen improve upon it are Josh Allen up in Buffalo and then Jalen Hurts. And he's improved with what he's done in Philly. Those are kind of the two examples you have because there haven't been a lot of guys that were, were those big physical runners with strong arms that all of a sudden then became pretty rhythmic passers. Now, their offense does stuff to help them but they've done a good job in that short to mid-range passing game and improved upon that. So CJ or Bryce, like whatever you want, man, I, I, I would lean probably a little more towards CJ just because Bryce, I feel like he might be one hit away from starting to go down the line of Tua where he's not a big dude, Yes, but they don't let you hit the quarterbacks as much anymore. So that changes a little bit, but Will Levis and Anthony Richardson, those two guys, I would definitely press pause because if you think they're going to come in and probably play high level football for you in year one or two I think you're probably getting ahead of your skis a little bit 
Will Anderson for you, the the best defensive player in the draft? Yeah, I think so. I mean, the guy's explosive. He's well coached. He's been productive for multiple years. You know, Bill Parcells, you know, his famous thing. And then uh, the young, their manager, when they're building those great Giants teams in the 80s, their philosophy was, hey, draft really good players from big schools that have won a lot with good systems and good coaching, and then ask them to do the same thing in the NFL. And he checks those boxes, man. He plays for a good coach. He's been highly productive for multiple years. All the physical traits are there. The guy's a great human being, plays really hard. There's no character issues with all of that. So, and he's versatile. He can do a lot of stuff. So, you know, to me, I mean, he's got a pretty darn high ceiling and a really high floor, which to have both of those in concert is a rarity, I think, when you're talking about drafting guys. No doubt. And Richards, going back to the quarterback, I mean, that's a great description there. Lowest floor, but it may be a higher ceiling than any of the guys in the draft, just based on traits. Like that, That's the intrigue, I think, for a lot of scouts. Oh. When you go through the measurables at the combine, you see the high ceiling, but compared to the production we've seen in college, it's the lowest floor of the four. People put together this this Cam Newton comparison, yeah. and I keep going back to it. Like, and I'll right. say it all day: Cam Newton was a really good NFL quarterback. He had some shortcomings, but that dude won a Heisman and drug an average Auburn team to a national championship. I mean, that's what they were. There weren't a ton of pros on there. It was him, Nick Fairley, and a handful of dudes, and he drugged them. So, if Richardson was that good, he would have taken an average to above average Florida team, and heck, they should have at least won ten or eleven games, but. They were a far cry from that. So that's what you make that comparison, maybe in traits, right. but in like actual playing on the field, which is what matters. He really hasn't been there yet. And what we're, I, I think Chad agrees with this. What we're saying, we're not saying he's not a top 10 pick. Teams move up and they reach far for those QBs. But I, I'm with you. I do think there's a big drop uh, compared to Coach. the other two in conversation based on production. Who do you have winning the, in your bracket, by the way? Oh goodness! I I have Bama and Kansas. I haven't clicked the oh, final. You have multiple brackets then, yet. Is what I'm I'm getting. No, I'm not doing multiple. I just haven't finished it yet. I've sat there and stared at it for a while, as if that <laughs> final pick is going to make the difference of me like having all all my games right versus not. But I I don't know. I think Kansas is playing pretty good ball. Bill, the thing is with Bill Self, like what's he going to be? And Bama's playing some nice ball too. So. Those are the two that I have making out of there. But going back to reaching, yes. I mean, NFL GMs, they're like my stinking five-year-old trying to get like <laughs> some little little Debbies from like above the fridge on a stool on the edge. I mean, they're reaching with everything they have, hoping that they blindly find some sort of goodie up on top. No doubt. And, and for, the, for those that think the Panthers don't know their quarterback, they're simply playing by the NFL's rule, quote-unquote, guideline. Don't reveal who you like. And they did the ultimate by saying, hey, we're open for business. Give us a call. After trading DJ Moore and <laughs> yeah. multiple first-round picks. And, yeah, give us a call. We're open for business. But we don't, we don't have a clue who we want. We just control the draft. Bobby Carpenter with us each and every week. You can check him out on SiriusXM Channel 84. Follow him on social at bcarp3. Always great to catch up, man. And, uh, again, I always appreciate you whenever you join us. Hey, my pleasure, gentlemen. You enjoy the rest of your Wednesday. Yeah, enjoy uh, Thursday and Friday with the Madness. There's Bobby Carpenter. Um, again, joins us each Wednesday. Love having him on. Um, Chad, we've got headlines on Brandon Miller coming up in about 15 minutes. But there's an update to the story that we discussed from Vermont where the school opted not to play in a tournament. 
girls basketball team opted not to play against a team with a transgender yes on the other team and there's an update on what the school board has done that's next on outkick 360 Oh, Kick 360 rolls on. An update to the story. Uh, so it was into February, or the, the Mid-Vermont Christian School forfeited their tournament, their playoff basketball game, a middle school girls team, because they were playing against a team or would have been playing against a team of uh, male-to-female transgender athlete. And they opted out. They, and they announced why. The, I said it was a school board. It's the Vermont Principals Association made the uh, Oh, the VPA. Yeah, yeah, the VPA, yeah. Very powerful group. They uh, organization. Made, made an announcement earlier this week where they say that the school's decision to do this, to protest the transgender athlete by forfeiting the game, was an act of discrimination towards the athlete's perceived gender. And they have been banned from postseason play that is state-sanctioned if you can believe that. The VPA again reiterates its ongoing support of transgender student-athletes is not only a part of building an inclusive community for each student to grow and thrive, but also as a clear expectation by Vermont state law in the Agency of Education Best Practices and the VPA policy regarding transgender student-athletes. That from the official uh, board there. And then, and good for her, the uh, head of the school, uh, Vicki Fogg, she doubles down on it in this. And now we see where we have the Mid-Vermont Christian School standing up for what they believe is right, which is simply biologically, it's a girls basketball team. And the opponent would have a biological male on the team, and they don't want to do that. The board is saying, yeah, no postseason play for you. Statewide. Had not been to Vermont. This is a very Vermont decision by the oh, they, Vermont Principals here. Association yeah. to do this. Um, I, I, I would even venture to guess that the Vermont Principals Association, if they could, would love to take this a step further and not have Christian schools in their organization because this was a Christian school decision to do this. And it's, it's obviously, uh, to me, it's a logical decision. Not to want to have your girls' team compete against biological males in in a competition, especially where you're close contact and things get physical, and it could be a, a safety concern for your girls' team also. So I think it was the right decision by Vermont Christian School. I believe it's the wrong decision by the Vermont Principals Association. I also think it's a very very Vermont decision to make, and uh, I think if they had their way, they probably wouldn't have that Christian school involved in anything. In, in Vermont, I mean, but honestly, we've, we've gone from the discussion at the college level to again reiterate the discussion is at the middle school level here. Yeah, that that is just just dumb. I mean, it, it's again, uh, Chad, we've said this multiple times. The vast majority, vast majority of people believe the right thing is biological male compete against biological male, biological female competes against biological female. And there's really no it's, rebuttal to that it's, it's a pretty, other than a statement saying uh, about inclusion. It's a pretty logical stance. And it's also funny when they want to talk about inclusion and say, 
we're all about inclusion and inclusivity. Right. We're so much about inclusion that you're banned. Right. We want you out now. Yeah. You know that we we're, include, we're inclusive. We include those who think the same way we do. Exactly. If you think the same way we do, and you're fine with your girls competing against biological males, then we want to be inclusive to you. But if you don't believe in that, and you respectfully do not want to participate in a competition that involves that, you're out. We're exclusive against you, but we're inclusive with everyone else who thinks and feels the exact same ways that we do. Ridiculous. Yes, more on Another this. Another ridiculous story. Outkick.com is where you can find it. Um, Chad, your biggest upset in the tournament is which team? I didn't have any huge upsets this year. I, I said yesterday it would be UNC Asheville if I had to pick a big one, uh, pulling off the upset over UCLA. I think the lowest seed I have winning, Hutton, is a 12 seed but I have three of them winning. I have three of the four 12 seeds okay. winning in this tournament. My biggest is Furman. I'm riding with the Paladins. And uh, beyond that, I have Memphis making a nice run. I think there'll be a storyline, yep. but it's Furman in round one for me advancing. It's pretty chalky for me uh, once you get to the Sweet 16 so far. Furman, Virginia has shown that they have the capability of losing uh, to a team they're not supposed to lose to, so that certainly could happen. Yes. Uh, hey, and Furman, if they continue on my bracket, would meet up against Alabama, and they're going to see security, personal security, in the arena for Brandon Miller. We've got details on that next. <laughs> 